On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You know, when I learned the Leafs haven't won the Stanley Cup since, was it, 67? Yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, I know. But the fans will still believe every year. And I'm like, I'm familiar with this. I'm totally <laughs> familiar with this. Yeah. I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Talk and Audio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name's Matt Robinson here in our studios in beautiful Bytown, Canada. You can give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio, and uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this one right now. Uh, I'm going to take a deep breath here because I'm about to do a much longer introduction than what is typically required for my guests. Uh, welcoming to the show today, Dr. Victoria Forster. Um, Got it. Post, I can't believe this. I'm flubbing this worse than <laughs> a postdoctoral fellow at the Hospital for <laughs> Sick Children in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, has been published in The Guardian, has been published in Forbes, uh, The Times, um, also a TED Talk fellow. Uh, also a Forbes 30 under 30 Europe in the science and healthcare. Um, how'd I do? Did I get enough of these? Am I doing all right? Yep. Just enough to embarrass me slightly. So you're doing a great job. Uh, before we go any further, there's only one of us who should be embarrassed so far. Um, <laughs> is it, do you prefer Vicky or Victoria? Definitely Vicky. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Vicky Forrester, welcome or, to talk. Or just Vicky, I think dropping the title is totally fine for this context. <laughs> well, we will as we go, but uh, welcome to Talk and Audio. Thank you for making a little time today. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, so we sit here now on a Monday evening, and uh, the Leafs are just a couple hours away out west. They're going to have to stay up late for this one, so we'll uh, we'll kill a little time together. I, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your career path, and um, but before we do anything else on this show, we always start in one place. What pint have you brought to the table today? Oh, it's a great opening question. Right. So I have selected from my basement beer bar, um, which is a, a true thing. Um, it's made of like cardboard. We have like cardboard shelving and we keep <laughs> the beers down there at this time of year because it's cold down there. Okay. Um, so I have a Sawdust City Brewing Belgian Ale Ooh. and it is called Anticipation Is. Um, have you heard of this one before? I haven't heard of that beer. I've heard of the, the brewery certainly, but no, I don't think I've right. tried that one yet. Yeah. So I'm going to have to send you a picture on Twitter afterwards. So it's yes. a hockey-themed beer. Oh, nice. When they first brought it out a couple of years ago, it was called the whole, you know, kind of the whole name of it was Anticipation is Freshly Zambonied Ice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. So I thought, what better beer to, to bring to this to this podcast than that one? So uh, yeah, it's uh, that's, that's what I've got going on today. Okay, I think that's perfect. Uh, I am at the... Uh, Old Flame Brewing Company. It's one of my favorites in uh, Port Perry, Ontario, just a little northeast of Toronto. And uh, this is a spiced lager called Took Season. And uh, uh-huh. it fits kind of nicely right now, I think. Not too bad at all. But it says here, uh, got a little bit of ginger in it, got a little bit of cinnamon to it, got a little bit of clove to it. So I'm looking forward to trying this one out as well. This will be... Um, I love the guys over at, uh, at Old Flame. They make a bunch of stuff that I really like whenever I can get back closer to uh, home. It's not far from where I grew up. And always make sure to try some of their, their new stuff. So what's your first... I guess you've tried this one before that you're having, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I tried it um, a couple of years ago. I think they brought it back um, sort of, you know, every, every year in winter. It's definitely a winter beer. Right. Really, really a winter beer. It's kind of sweet. Um, it's... It, it's just really, really satisfying. Yep. Um, but now at my sort of advanced age, like I enjoy one of them. <laughs> I do remember a couple of years ago when the world was was really very different. Um, 
in winter I was at a friend's cottage near Gravenhurst which of course is where sort of city is and um, you know snow on the ground such a beautiful beautiful place at that time of year and uh, we were you know playing some board games drinking some beers in the you know at the cottage and then they actually had a hot tub outside as well so we nice. did the whole you know you go sit in the snow you get in the hot tub you sit in the <laughs> snow get. and I remember this beer from that evening mm. and I remember being like this is the tastiest beer yes. ever it's great and I had I don't know three of them four of them and uh you know I, my alcohol tolerance is much reduced <laughs> now at the age I am now in comparison to say 10 years ago and uh yeah, I definitely paid for it the next day a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a great beer. Um, it's a six percent, so it's not super duper, but you know, three or four of them is is way too many uh, for me if I want to be you know happy the next day. Yeah, so. no, I hear you. <laughs> I've been looking through a few on what I was going to have tonight, and um, I've recently done orders from a couple different breweries, and I'm all I, I love stouts and porters. That's normally my mm. big thing. And like everything that was left in my fridge was all like 9.8%, 10%, 9 I'm right. like, oh, it's just, it's a late Monday night. I'm not, I'm, that's a little more than what I'm looking for right now. So this is a 5%. That was a little more fitting for a Monday evening. So I do this all the time with stouts. Like I, I, I'm not a super stout and porter person, but I do like to, to try them. And I think I'm, I'm growing in appreciation for stouts and porters, but I do the same as you. I am like, oh, that's great. That I'll, I'll, you know, taste your 10% coconut coffee, yeah. whatever stout. And then I, I have it and it sits in my fridge for so long. Cause I, you know, have to kind of plan for it. Yes, almost. Exactly. Uh, and I often have to share it. And, you know, I, I often don't have like a 10% stout as my first beer of the evening. So right. it <laughs> sometimes it gets passed over for, a while but um yeah i totally get you on that one <laughs> yeah uh i should take a moment here to remind listeners if you want to stick around later this week we're going to have Stephen bunda and graham creech from tsn 1200 in ottawa on the show that'll likely drop on thursday morning for you uh lots of talk about mixed martial arts big ufc card coming up this weekend so uh those guys know their uh, their mma in a big way so looking forward to having them on stick around for that as well uh vicky why don't you take us through, because listeners can tell already, the, the, the hockey fan with a British accent is not a super common <laughs> thing around here. Why don't yeah. you kind of take us on a, on a tour through your, uh, your journey to where you landed in Toronto and maybe we can start where we started. Sure. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll kind of try and make it brief, I suppose. So uh, I was born and raised um, in a sort of smallish city in the UK, just outside of London. Um, I kind of lived as close to London as Mississauga is to Toronto now, I guess is okay. a good way of describing sure. it. So, you know, you could hop on the train and, and be in the big city in, in not too long. Um, and I did that. And then, you know, I, I grew up knowing I, I wanted to be a scientist, um, partly because I, I had cancer when I was younger. And so I, I grew up being like, I'm going to become a cancer research scientist. So to cut a long story short, I, I went to college and, you know, I did an undergraduate degree and then a, a PhD uh, in the northeast of England um, in a place called Newcastle upon Tyne. So mm. uh, beer fans will probably know that as the landing spot of Newcastle Brown Ale. It's delightful. Um, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> You know, yeah. I don't, they don't even brew it in Newcastle anymore, would you believe? But they used to. Um, <laughs> anyway, that, that's how I generally describe it, and also a very underwhelming Premier League uh, soccer team, of course. Um, which is partly why I like the Leafs, but I'll explain yeah. that in a bit. <laughs> oh, hey, easy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's a good explanation for that. Okay, I okay. Um, anyway, so I did that, and I, I worked in, in Newcastle for a couple of years, and you know, truly a, a fantastic, fantastic city. You know, all of my best friends are there still. And, you know, it, it was great, but I really wanted to kind of live and work abroad um, for what I do as a research scientist. It's kind of expected that you move around and you kind of gain different training and different insights and you meet different scientists and stuff. So um, I think that was, it was around about 2015, 2016, where I was like, I want to go and live and work somewhere else. Um, the traditional landing place for people like me is normally the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and I took one look at Donald Trump, who at that point was kind of running <laughs> and nobody thought he would get in and kind of went, I don't I don't like this, um, <laughs> not doing it. And so my other shortlisted places were Germany, Sweden or Canada. Mm. And so I kind of was thinking about a few different places, you know, cities in those areas to go to. And and I actually flew myself over to Toronto and I actually it was late 2015. I think I had two weeks of holiday and thought, well, I've actually never been to Canada. Canada. Right. 
Uh, I should probably check this place out before. I, you know, I knew Toronto was a great place for scientific research. And Now, did you, know, you fall for the trap of making a visit <laughs> in, like, July and then moving in, like, February? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I, I moved in April, so I did, like, CESA. Sorry, yeah, my visit was in, I think, April or October okay. or something. So I saw the sort of more temperate kind of, kind yeah. of weather, but... Um, I, I was aware of the weather, but uh, I'm, I, you know, I flew myself over here for two weeks alone and just got an Airbnb and checked the city out and spoke to some people at SickEd's where I now work and just, you know, basically emailed them. Was like, hi, I'm here from the UK. Could you have a coffee with me for five minutes? And, you know, one of them ultimately ended up in a job offer. And so oh, wow. in uh, at the end of January, I think it was 2017, I did move at the end of January. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I flew here with with two suitcases and um, yeah, I mean that was like just over four years ago now, and uh, I've been working at Sick Kids ever since. It's a great place to work. Um, now you wanted to know how I became a Leafs fan. Yeah, I think that's I the most interesting part of that. Sure. So um, when I was moving over here, so I really like sport in the UK, um, tennis, athletics, uh, soccer, you know, with Newcastle United, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I live there, right? It's the thing, the thing that you do. Yep. Um, and I kind of, you know, I was moving over here. I knew nobody. I had nobody, you know, waiting here, like friends or anyone I knew other than a couple of like loose professional contacts. <laughs> and so I kind of saw getting into like the Toronto sports teams as a way to kind of get to know the city a little bit. Right. And, you know, to kind of, I knew the sports here that were really popular were pretty different to, to back in the UK. Certainly, yeah. And and so I thought I'd made, make, an, make an effort to really learn. So from when I visited to when I actually uh, ended up living here, which was a while, actually, it might have been about a year from my first visit, I really took an interest in, like, trying to learn about the Raptors and the Leafs and the Blue Jays. And, you know, I stayed up occasionally to watch a really late game because there's, <laughs> like, five hours difference or I watch one in the evening on Saturday if it was afternoon here. And um, i got to be honest, the Raptors and basketball was the first sport that I kind of actually knew what was going on. Yeah, and they were <laughs> because, on the upswing too, right? You got on board with them at the, the right playoffs. time. Yeah, yeah, I think they were in the playoffs or sure, yeah. maybe when I visited, not when I think. So basketball was the first one I kind of got used to. Mm-hmm. Um, hockey was a later thing, kind of a really later thing. I think it was after I moved here. I was just like, you know, had the TV on in the background Oh my God, it took me so long to figure out like offsides and, and yeah. what icing calls were and things. <laughs> um, but once I figured it out, I was like, hey, this is a really engaging sport. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's always going. Um, something can happen at any moment. Like with a lot of soccer games, right? You watch for, I call it soccer. I, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm almost betraying myself here. Like it's football to me, but sure. it's soccer to everyone else. So. Yeah. Um, with a lot of soccer games, it's uh, you know you can watch for 90 minutes and you know nothing's going to happen for 60 minutes if the team's <laughs> really struggling. Whereas with hockey, like you do get games like that, but often I feel like there's a lot more action, right? And sure. things can happen out of nowhere. And so once I kind of got into it, I, I just I just got hooked. Um, you know, once I understood the game, um, it was great and. Yeah, I'm 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 really a devout Leafs fan now. It's it's, <laughs> it's funny. quite scary to people who know me. Sometimes. Oh, I bet. Like you've joined this cult kind of thing. And it's it's funny, every time like the World Cup rolls around or something, I'm like, I'm really gonna try this time. The whole world loves football except right. us. I'm gonna try and I get like forty minutes into and I always pick like an underdog, like I'm gonna cheer for Togo this year or something like right. that, right? And of mm-hmm. course they're not gonna do well. But I'm like even in a boring hockey game, there's more shots than this. It feels like the ball's mm-hmm. been at midfield for 40 minutes. Like, a, And I just, every time I try, I just, and I get it. Maybe that's just a, a, a short attention span. I don't know quite what it is. I've never been able to, to totally wrap my arms around the idea that um, I did have a friend visit a couple years ago from Australia and she wanted to mm-hmm. check out a hockey game. And so I took her mm-hmm. and she was the same thing. Like, okay, what, why was that offside? Like, well, the, someone went in ahead <laughs> of the puck. The yeah. And like, no problem. So she's got that. And she's like, well, how come it wasn't offside that time? Like, well, they mm-hmm. tagged up. So like, what's tagging up? You're like, yeah, okay. I get it. This is kind of a dumb <laughs> yeah, sport, right? Like, <laughs> like uh, if you grew up with it, you're like, well, it just makes sense. But to anybody just trying to pick this up, you're like, uh, it's a bit strange, I guess. Yeah, and to be honest as well, if you've never really, if you've never seen hockey, I'm like, 
my God, he's allowed to like run into that guy sure, yeah. and, and smack him like across the thing. And, you know, at the start, I kind of explained it to my friends as like rugby on ice, right? right. Like yep. I, <laughs> I kind of understand it's more than that now, but yeah, the whole like physical element yep. of, of hockey is, is mind blowing to, to a lot of people. And it definitely was to me when I started watching it, I'm like, how can he do that to him? Like he's just thrown him off his stride and like, but yeah. So when you posted a picture, I think it was a couple weeks ago now on Twitter, um, or maybe it was just a tweet I, uh, that you had been skating. Um, oh had you skated before you came to Canada? No, no. Okay. <laughs> never, not in my life. Um, so, you know, they always say you can kind of, you know, skate, you can ice skate a little bit. If you've done rollerblading, sure. it's fine. If you've, if you've skied, you know, that'll give you a bit of an yep. advantage you've done uh, pretty much anything I had done nothing like <laughs> none of those things whatsoever um and I can't even ne- necessarily remember why I wanted to skate I could I think I just felt it was like a really good thing to be able to do here in winter sure. you know for exercise it's kind of a cultural thing that the majority of people can at least skate to some level mm-hmm. um and I was just like all right well I think I'm going to stay here now probably for a long time if not the rest of my life I, I should really get on this right um, before I get so old, my bones would just break instantly if I fall on the ice. <laughs> um, and so I started, it must have been about three years ago now, and I was properly clinging to the sides. I <laughs> didn't know what to do because I'd never experienced the feeling of gliding. Right. Right. I had never in my life like pushed off one foot and then gl- you know, glided on the other foot. Anyone who's done rollerblading, roller skating, skiing has done that. Mm-hmm. I had it was a completely alien concept to me, which my brain registered as you're about to fall over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I got to say, like clearly, I'm not naturally good at it. But it took me about I want to say a full year, and you know, I only went during winter. I didn't you know get lessons in the summer or anything like that. So I you know didn't go a super amount of times but um it took me a full year to like get over that like fear almost like a panic attack kind of fear okay. of falling and then when i kind of or even got hyper you know uh, desensitized to it because i did fall obviously yep. um and then i started to improve um and i'm kind of still wickedly inconsistent but i i will like i can do laps around a rink most sure. of the time um i'll still fall occasionally um i do really badly with like choppy ice yeah okay <laughs> like most you know a lot of the skaters that i see i'm just like why don't they like why aren't they like catching themselves in you know the, the divots or whatever but i i just seem to feel every little bump in the ice right well and it does it'll <laughs> throw your balance just a little bit over, yeah but... and then you overcompensate right like it's right exactly but you know i'm at a point now where i can like I can skate. Right. I'm not very good at it, and I would still like to improve. Um, and I think, to be honest, I've been on the rinks here in Toronto this this winter. Obviously, we're all masked up, and there's capacity limits, and I'm really glad they they kept them open. And I feel like I've hit a plateau now. Right. Um, I probably need some lessons, somebody to be like, bend your knees more or wider base or something like that. So as soon as the kind of indoor rinks uh, you know, reopen, hopefully sort of late summer, early you know, fall, um, I'm just going to get some coaching because I'm, I'm pretty sure I kind of had the basics down, but I need – I need help to, to go much sure. further. I think. Um, up in Ottawa here, we have the the canal right through downtown, right? Oh, you can skate all the way. It's and, one and of it's, my bucket list things to do that. And it's awesome, right? And it, But like, I'm a fine skater. Like I, I do okay, but there's nothing great about it, right? I learned as a kid and got enough to get by and mm-hmm. that was the end of it. And it is still like, you know, because it doesn't freeze perfectly smooth like an indoor rink, mm-hmm. there are times where it kind of, whoa like you're you feel like your feet are going out from under you but you watch some of these people who are really incredible skaters and they're just flying and they're not even noticing these bumps and heaves and cracks and stuff under their feet and even i look at that and go ah good for you yeah i'm not really really sure how that happens but so i went on in toronto we have high park a a really big park out out west and and uh, it doesn't always freeze it freeze over there's a big pond in it called grenadier pond Mm -hmm. it doesn't always freeze over every winter it hasn't lost couple i don't think but it did this winter um for a very brief period of time and i was like you know i've never skated on anything that's not a rink right um let's go and i did um 
just like a few brief circles that you know some guys have been there before and shoveled it and played played a quick you know game of shinny on it or whatever yeah. and so we just kind of wandered over to it i sat in a pile of snow put my skates on like got onto my knees so i could get up it was so <laughs> and i and i did like a, a brief like a, a few tiny laps and then was like i'm out right. <laughs> it was so so choppy and uneven and it was kind of like a, a tick box right have skated on pond good right yeah we can take a picture of that and I'll leave. <laughs> it wasn't an enjoyable experience for a novice but uh, it was fun when it was, you it was all right. when you were embracing the toronto sports scene and and you know you like you said you embraced the raptors first and, and that makes mm-hmm. sense it's a more worldly sport and the raptors were on the upswing and got a championship mm-hmm. out of it here um but when you decided i'm gonna wrap my arms around the leafs and get involved <laughs> Were you aware of the 50 years preceding your arrival and just the the tortured ghosts in this fan base and in this team's history? Yes, okay. um, pretty much. So a I researcher, started. Dat- you would know this. Stuff, I guess. <laughs> well, partly. So I started dating my uh, my my partner about three months after I arrived in Toronto, and okay. uh, she is kind of. I guess was born in born into a Leafs family. Her dad is a really, really big Leafs fan. Right. Um, partly because, well, no, I think he's always been a Leafs fan, but uh, her dad lives in Sault Ste. Marie and oh, yeah. uh, worked with Carl Dubas's dad at oh, work. Wow. Um, so, you know, um, her dad goes to like these training camp and things and, you know, we we're involved with the Leafs, like yeah. peripherally, just as like visitors and things. So, you know, it, it's, it's a really nice thing to discuss. And I've, I've always... Yeah, I've always known about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but uh, going back to Newcastle. So Newcastle last won something in 1969. Okay. And their fans, and I used to live 10 minutes away from the stadium. And every time Man City or Man United came to town, they were like, we're going to beat them. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes they did beat Man United or Man City because Newcastle is like a random number generator. Like it'll lose against (laughs) terrible teams and then win against like Man City. Yes, I'm familiar with the phenomenon. (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Like a ridiculous sporting association. Um, but uh, yeah. So you know, when I learned the Leafs haven't won the Stanley Cup since was it '67? Yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, I know. But the fans will still believe every year, and I'm like, I'm familiar with this. Yeah. I'm totally familiar with this feeling. Um, and realistically, you know, I moved to Toronto, and, and I, I call it home now. And it would have been a bit kind of odd to be like okay so i'm going to support detroit or sure, yeah. vancouver or something like that i mean it was the obvious thing to do and you know i, I like the leafs and i think you know as a, a i don't have much context for like other you know hockey teams and stuff i think all of them do do certain good things and things the leafs the leafs do a lot of good as well i think in in toronto and oh, yeah. you know they, they visit sick kids every year yeah Obviously not in the last year. So once I was off to a meeting in the main hospital. Um, I don't work in the hospital. I work in a building next to it. But I was off to a meeting in the main hospital with my boss, who is a doctor. Um, and I walked into the elevator. Um, and uh, I was on my phone. I wasn't doing anything. And I looked look up and there's these like three really tall guys in Leafs jerseys. And I'm like, oh, it must be that day. And it was a... Uh, <laughs> It was Patrick Marlowe, Garrett Sparks, and Zach Hyman. Oh, wow. Um, and I kind of looked up and went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect to do that. And it was the day after one of the like, local games in Toronto, and Patrick Marlowe had scored the game winner. And I think so I just said, oh, great goal last night. And he's like, oh, yeah, thanks. And that was it. <laughs> I went to my meeting. They went to you know visit visit our patients and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was bizarre, but um, I think, yeah, they're really quite well integrated with the city. They do that an outdoor practice every year yep. on the main ring. And you can literally just wander up and watch like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and all of them um, just, you know, play a little play a little hockey and you can be five meters away from them. I just went on my lunch break last time and, you know, watch them play. And it, so it's just kind of nice. I like how open it is. You would never do that with like Premier League football teams and, no and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I know for a long time that the Leafs have had a tight integration or when they could with, with sick kids. And, um, it used to be kind of a, you know, a well-known secret, but no one talked too much about it. That mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Sundin, when he was here, he would go all the time, like once or twice a week if, if he could, and just no mm-hmm. media, no announcement, no whatever, just show up and, and everybody kind of knew it, but you just let him do it you, you didn't the crowds mm-hmm. didn't show up right you just let him do his thing because it was a and I think a lot of the guys have kind of had that relationship with that facility over the years yeah so I believe that um I don't know whether he does anymore but I believe Austin Matthews in his first year or two 
here. Right. Um, he, he may still do it. I wouldn't know about it. But um, I think his uncle maybe died um, with cystic fibrosis or something it along those lines. Sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. And Austin Matthews used to go into sick kids and just, you know, talk to the kids in the cystic fibrosis clinic. And then they also do like lung function tests. Right. And he used to do them at the same time. <laughs> so the kids didn't, you know, feel uncomfortable sure, with yeah. the, their like masks and things that they wore. And um yeah, I, I, it was spoken about a little bit, like in the press and stuff, but no big deal was made out of it. And as I said, he may well still do it. I think if he Hard does, he's probably not spoken now. about because exactly. why would it be? You don't want people to do that. But yeah, I, I just, you know, it's a really nice thing to do. That's not a PR thing. That's a, I want to make a difference and do something, do something good. So yeah. yeah. Um, before I, I want to ask you a little bit about this year's leaf, but recently we've had a couple guests on, we've had the new, um, quarterback and head coach from the Ottawa Red Blacks mm, CFL mm-hmm. team on. And I had to ask them both about kind of when they first came from America to Canada mm-hmm. and, uh, what the adjustment was like and stuff like that. And, um, probably different, you know, in terms of, they both basically said as much that Canadians know way more about Americans than Americans know about Canadians in reverse. <laughs> right. But, but yeah. that it wasn't anything too crazy, but there was always just little things like you're used to watching college football on ESPN, but we don't get that channel or what's a loony or a toonie when you first mm-hmm. get, what's their dollar called? Well, it's called a dollar. You're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, what were, you know, was there anything that jumped out at you in your first month or two that was just like, Oh, like, it's fine. It's no big deal, but that's kind of strange, right? Or, oh, I didn't know about that. Like any kind of little things like that that stepped out at you? Yeah, <laughs> there's a few things and they're going to seem completely menial because they are. Uh, so the food, at least here in Toronto, in your like supermarkets, grocery stores is super expensive okay. in comparison to the UK. <laughs> um, as I said, some of that may be Toronto being Toronto. Sure. Um, but like the fresh fruits and the vegetables and stuff, like at least twice the price. Really? Eh? Um, yeah. And cheese. My God, I don't know how you guys afford your cheese. Um, <laughs> it's so expensive, like cheese and dairy. So like five bucks for two liters of milk or something in the UK, it would cost uh, one seventy, something oh, wow. like that. Yeah, it's, so some 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 things with like the groceries. Your mobile phone bills are absolutely. Oh my crazy. God, I know that. Yeah. Like my mobile phone bill in the UK is about equivalent thirty dollars, let's say. Okay. And here it's one hundred and ten. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> so insanity. It's like, and I don't use my phone anymore. No, exactly. <laughs> it, it, and, and I'd say the service is actually worse than it was in the UK. And I know Canada's a big country, but like I live in the middle of the biggest city. And it's, yeah, like, it's just a monopoly anyway. where nobody wants to rock the boat, right? They got three companies that are all just like, yep, we're going up together. Right. That's terrible. Um, exactly. And what else? Um, I would say you guys wear hats a lot. Like yes. in any season, there's a lot of baseball caps or there's a lot of toques and there's toques even when you don't really have to wear a toque. <laughs> um, People love hats here, like yeah. really like hats. Um, I, I could probably coming from the ask, England, sorry, right? And the Queen is known for her hats, and, and yet it's us that are are overly hat people. I guess I, just, I had no idea that was going to come up here today. <laughs> yeah, and me, me neither. To be honest, I'm yeah. just born here. And it's one. I've had like a third of my beer, so more more things may come. But um, All right. yeah, speaking of the Queen, you guys seem to like the Queen more than a lot of people in England do. Well, or we at just, least talk yeah. about the Queen. <laughs> we don't have we don't get inundated quite as much. So it's like, oh, there yeah. she is. Good to see you. Right, like, glad you're still like- kicking. I heard some people, and it's not everybody seemingly, but some people had to like make a pledge of allegiance to the Queen at school. Oh, really? Like here? And I've never heard of something like that in the UK. That's, <laughs> so, that is strange. But, we had one yeah. one day a week in uh, in high school, instead of the Canadian National Anthem, they played God Save the Queen. Um, oh, yeah. Was no. kind of the extent of, you know, my no, no. my allegiance to the, the crown. <laughs> No, not 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 heard of that one. I'm afraid. <laughs> Being born and raised in the UK, no, we've, I, I don't think I sung "God Save the Queen" at school or anything. But again, it could be just my experience. Um, but, really, you guys um, didn't have the anthems in school either. Not that I remember. No. Okay. Okay. But, I guess that's. Just, I know the, maybe that's the American thing rubbing off on us. I know they do it down there, but. Uh. Yeah, I always get a little confused at the start of the hockey games why they have to so we play the anthem in the uk if i think it if it's like sorry england i should say um if it's like a champions league game i think you would play the country anthems which makes sense because normally there's different countries playing them yep. um and we play them for internet any you know olympics international yes. whatever that makes a lot of sense to me what doesn't make sense to me is why canada playing either canada or the united <laughs> yes. states res- results in an anthem like i know every word to oh canada now 
I don't know every word to God Save the Queen just because I watch so much <laughs> hockey. And I know every word to the flipping US anthem as well. Yeah. It's um it's a little odd. Um yeah, I don't really understand. Um it's that true, one. though. Yeah, and, and it has become a bit of a a thing, a point of discussion that maybe it's time for the anthems to go at uh, at some of these games. But I mean, especially in the North Division at the moment, like do we really need to hear the Canadian no, anthem? We do not. Every every <laughs> single game and you know, the players are from all over the place, Canada, the US, Sweden, Finland, Latvia, whatever. Yeah. It, like what what benefit does it serve? But anyway. <laughs> It's not. It's not something that I'm really going to like try and change the world of. I really don't care that much. But just an observation. Well, you referenced the North Division there, and um, mm. Leafs off to a hot start. What have you thought of the season thus far? Obviously, Matthews is on a tear, and Marner doing his thing. But who's kind of stood out to you? What have you thought of the start of the season? Yeah, I. I mean, they're obviously doing great. Um, I think they are probably exceeding my expectations slightly, which mm. I'm very happy to say. Sure. I think so. Since it, it's funny. So when I talk about the Leafs, people have to realize I know nothing pre-2017. Um, <laughs> Pre-Matthews, all right. And, yeah, and so somebody will say, oh, you know, this this guy, Daryl Settler or Matt Sundin. Sure. And of course, I know who they are now, but I don't really know much about them. Okay. So I'm a bizarrely myopic Leafs fan because <laughs> I only really know a lot about things that have happened in the last four years. Um well, so that's, so anyway, you haven't been damaged like the rest of us. Not, not yet. It could still happen. <laughs> oh, it'll um, come. Just yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, I mean, I've seen them losing the Perth to Boston, Boston several Boston times. Around, so I, you know, yeah. that, that's about my only experience of the Leafs so far. So maybe that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, who have I been impressed by? So I think the Leafs have finally sorted out their defense, which has never been a thing since I've liked the Leafs. Yep. They've always had a bad defense. Um I think they have three strong lines when their 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 D is 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 healthy, yep. um, which is which is pretty great. Justin Hull has been a revelation. I remember watching him with the Marlies, I think Marlies, yep. a few days a few years ago, and you know he was fine, but he he wasn't a particularly standout player. But I, I love the fact that you know at his age, which is I don't know, younger than me but old for a sort of emerging <laughs> hockey player, yes. um, that he's you know suddenly a real you know he's not just made the team, he's really good. Yes. Um, and I think that's fantastic. But I think the Leafs, why the Leafs are working at the moment is because they've got a mix of their young players getting more experience. So your Matthews, your Marner, your Nylander. Um, and then they've got these three experienced players being Simmons, Thornton, and... Um, Spaz. Oh, God, why have I just said that? Of course, yeah. Why have I, I, I knew that. It was on the tip of my tongue. They've got their three veterans who are, like, really wanting to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, in the case of Spetzer and Joe Thornton, especially, I really hope they do. Yes. Um, and then they – so they've got the young guys, the veterans, and then the solid D. And I think it's 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 mostly working. Um, standout players – I think Wayne Simmons was great. Yeah. absolutely brilliant i kind of you know I, I saw they were looking at him a couple of seasons ago and i was like i think he'd be really really good and i was you know wondering if they were just going to bring him in to like fight people and they haven't right like right. he's had a couple but he's he's actually just been superb at what he's known for which is you know standing in front of the net popping pucks in going behind retrieving on the foot it's poor check he's been great um yeah they brought him in every, on like that fourth line right and he's just kept working right. his way up and working his way up i think the last couple of games before he got hurt he was playing on the second line with Tavares and willie so exactly and you know so i'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season brings i think they've been hit by injuries so far but other than the fact that the I've heard the goalies, both of them are potentially uh -huh. out tonight, and we've got Hutchinson. Um, other than the goaltending, I think they've been reasonably lucky with injuries, at least to their top guys, right? Yeah. Um, Although so Matthews I, may also be out again tonight, so. Well, it didn't make any difference the other night. No, it's true. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. If they can get, you know, Tavares and Nylander really firing, like more than just the last couple of games, obviously, yep. um, I think they're going to be hard to beat. There's been a lot of, you know, talk about it being an easy division, and I do agree with that. Um, but if they can get their top two lines really going, I think they're going to be really difficult to beat. And the third line is pretty decent, and, you know, Spets is on the fourth line and he, you know, scored a hat trick a few games. Like, awesome. you know, it's amazing. And then the goal he scored the other day was amazing. Yeah. So, um, well, so there seems to be a divide in the fan base. So I have to ask you, mm -hmm. where do you land on William Nylander? 
So I have always supported William Nylander, generally speaking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, my partner has not. Okay. <laughs> Very much. Also, there's uh, not just a divide in the fan base, it's a divide in the household. In, in the household <laughs> as well, yeah. So to the point where every time William Nylander gets a, a point, I will send her a, a picture of William Nylander <laughs> via WhatsApp. So our WhatsApp conversations, if you look at the media, are just pictures of William Nylander. <laughs> Just, just kind of like a bit of trolling in you know, sure. the pandemic because yeah. <laughs> to do. Generally speaking, I think William Nylander is a good player for the oh. and I think some of the criticism is a bit over the top. I mean, some of the tabloid yeah. nonsense is just like ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I do. I would like to see a little bit more from him. I think he's a more talented player than he's shown this season so far, and he could step it up a bit. That would be great. Uh, one of the reasons that I, uh, I said in the last couple episodes when I was advertising that you were coming on, that you were uh, such a good follow over the last year or so, and I, I'd already been following you for a bit. I, I can't remember exactly what uh, brought It might have been the Leafs talk and craft beer initially. <laughs> and then I find out that, um, you know, you, you've got a pretty good handle on the medical sciences here. And when I did, I should tell the listener, I should remind people, uh, when I did ask you to come on, you were very upfront and said, happy to do it but I'm a PhD, not an MD. So we will uh, put that back out there now. But but you do have a good handle on the medical sciences. You're, um, and I believe your primary gig there at Sick Kids is pediatric cancers. Um, so, you know, as we've gone through this, you've been somebody that I've enjoyed following on Twitter because you've helped me sort through the noise of, you know, mm-hmm. good science versus crap science, or yes, oh, yes, this is true, but it lacks context in comparison to whatever, right? There's lots of doctors out there that are saying some weird, crazy stuff, you know, <laughs> and you, you go to their, their profile to see, is this someone I should listen to? And it's like, well, twice published in whack job medical journal. I, I don't know. Is that a real, <laughs> so you've been a great follow for that. And I, I wanted to ask just kind of for your opinion on a couple of things as the vaccines roll out, um, as we have just sort of been released from our latest lockdown. Um, and maybe that's the best place to start is there's been some talk, you know, and, and we look at places like New Zealand, we look at places like Australia and I believe Australia got off to a pretty rough start before getting Mm -hmm. things back under control. New Zealand did a really nice job. We can talk about, you know, the role geography plays in that and and these sorts of things. Um, The idea of COVID zero in Canada, a really harsh lock, everything down for a while and really get this to the point that those countries have had. Was Mm -hmm. that ever a realistic goal with the land border we share and, and these sorts of things. Was that ever, do you believe, on the table for Canada? Uh, yes, okay. I do. I actually do. And uh, one of the biggest things that I got really upset about sort of after the first wave, before we kind of really went into the second wave mm-hmm. of infections, was that Canada was obviously not attempting to go for that. Whether it was possible to get it exactly down to zero or not shouldn't have been the issue. The issue should have been that we should have always gone for that. Um, you know, the ship sailed for that a long time ago. So right. I, I don't even exactly know the months, but we're talking when the first wave of infections had sort of subsided, sort of June yep. last year, June, July, maybe. Um, I forget exactly when. That was the time to go for COVID zero. Um, we probably reopened too quickly. And I, 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 to be honest, I don't really keep a track of, uh, very well on what's happening all over Canada, but sure. I can kind of speak to what I think in Ontario. Yeah. Um, we reopened things like indoor dining in Toronto, um, not for very long before no. we had lockdown again. I think it was a few weeks, maybe even not a month, maybe maybe just over a month. Um, and in my opinion, there, there was no need to do that. And I know that sounds very callous to like business owners and things, and it's mm-hmm. not supposed to. Um, the point is, I think those kind of things contributed to kicking off the, the second wave in a much more dramatic way. And then we've been in lockdown for or some form of lockdown since, I don't know, late fall. Right. Uh, Toronto is a little different to some of the other places, but um you know, this yo-yoing of open, close, open, close is, is not doing anyone any good, individuals, businesses, etc. And, uh, you know, frankly, lockdowns are when uh, everything else you've got has failed. They're the last ditch kind of 
you know, this is we're screwed. Like we, this is yeah. the only thing we have left. So the fact that we're in lockdown at all, again, um, you know, despite it, it's been a long time now, but the fact that we went into second lockdown at all means things have failed. Um, and I do think Canada could have aimed for COVID zero. And you mentioned the land border. So the land border is an issue um, for sure. And, you know, there's so much freight and trade and things that comes over the border that I'm only peripherally aware of, right? It's not my expertise. Um, But I believe they haven't really tracked, you know, truckers coming across the border, going back and forth. They haven't really tracked that many cases to that, I don't think. Um, They didn't even track that many cases to people flying in, although if you're going to aim for COVID zero, you had to be harsher on the, like, borders. Uh, from the get-go and we weren't um i just I, it's not that i don't think that's important i think there was too much focus on that um you know doug ford really tried to put a lot of focus on the fact that travelers were bringing in covid and the problem is with that is there is some element of truth but i think there was a study showing that it was you know way less than 10 percent of the covid cases uh you know that were starting clusters or something like that were thought to be imported most of it was coming from people here yeah uh you know having private uh, indoor events or going to restaurants and, and bars and gyms and, and, you know, super spreader events coming out of those. So yes, I think we could have aimed for it. Um, Canada was given such uh, advanced warning from other countries as to what would happen if you reopen too quickly. Uh, for example, the UK, which obviously I follow pretty, sure. you know, pretty, pretty acutely because my, family and friends are, are there mm-hmm. um the uk reopened they actually uh, offered uh, discounts you know from the government uh, to go to restaurants uh and then uh, they had a crippling second wave yeah. it was called uh, eat out to help out and uh, you would get 10 pounds off your bill uh, certain times of the week so they wow. were literally the, the uk government were bribing people to go and sit in restaurants and there's a you know a reasonable amount of data showing that they're not a good not good environments for you know, no. COVID spreading. and so we yeah I, I could speak about this all day but basically yes i think we could have gone to COVID zero i kept seeing ontario being like right we're good we're in the clear we're, we're reopening and me and several other people who are way more ex you know expert than i am uh, much more relevant expertise were screaming about it being like please don't do this and then lo and behold here we are you know in toronto we're still in second lockdown so how much of it do you think and and beyond the government um how much of it do you think in our population and again i guess we'll largely speak to ontario here um how much of what we're seeing is the yo-yo effect and and this confusion over i don't know what these colors mean um you know, in theory, this this strictest lockdown that we had at Boxing Day, I believe it went into effect. And then they reopened, but it wasn't a total reopening. It was kind of back to where we were before that one, but it felt like you were being let out of a cage. And so people thought they could kind of go back to more of it than maybe they could. Like how much of this is people just don't, care don't believe it's as big of a deal and are just out wanting to do their own thing and how much of it is kind of fatigue on trying to keep track of what all of this means and and confusion on what's being fed to them in your opinion yeah it's a it's a great question and um i have to say so the province's messaging throughout this has been dire um the confusing messages coming out the you know, uh, even last year, this time last year, we're not going to cancel March break. You should go. We're canceling March break. Right. Uh, schools are open. Schools are safe. Schools are not, you know, nobody ever said schools are not safe, actually. But, you know, schools are safe. And then we have a ton of schools closed down because there's cases there. Right. And it, I, I, there, it, there are certain places in Ontario, I think, have done the messaging quite well. I think Ottawa Public Health has done a great job, actually. Mm-hmm. I followed their Twitter account and I think, you know, they have overall done done a great job at communicating uh, what's going on i think toronto public health have done an okay job um but province the province generally has done a pretty bad job of right. uh communicating how these things happen and then people i i do believe um that people are genuinely generally good and do want to you know help this thing go away and or keep other people safe but if you can if you can confuse people enough times they're going to stop listening uh, and they're going to kind of take things into their own hands. And if they don't understand a public health measure or, you know, a po- problem we have in science communication all the time is you tell people what to do and then you don't explain why they're doing it. Right. Which is a really key thing. So early on in the pandemic, everybody said, okay, you should keep, keep six feet away from people. 
um, you know, to reduce your risk of transmitting uh, the novel coronavirus if you should have it. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really explain necessarily why that was. And so we had people sitting in very small spaces without their windows open inside, six feet away from each other for hours, thinking that there was some kind of magical force field uh, that would keep them safe. Uh, Similarly, with restaurants, um, when we said that, you know, in Toronto, I think we said, you know, you're going to reopen patio dining. Patio dining and drinking is considered fairly safe because it's outdoors. Mm-hmm. And the key part here is it's 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 ventilation. And so, you know, the airflow, if it's if it's good, uh, prevents the buildup of viral particles and seriously minimizes the chance of anybody in that area getting sick. Yeah. Um, and then I walk down the street in Toronto while this is all happening and there are uh, restaurants building entirely enclosed patios. They are sealed. <laughs> Uh, and this is not a Toronto specific thing. No. This is, you know, it's happened in New York. It's happened around the world. But it and and I don't blame them. Right. I do not think they're like, ah, screw this. We're going right. to get people in anyway. I think nobody really explained to them why right. they, they needed yeah, outdoor I'm technically seating. Technically on why? my patio. I'm doing my part. Right. I'm. They're outdoors. It doesn't matter if there's like a zip up kind of like plastic right. door for people to get in. And, ba- you know, I walked past some and it was there were so many people in there and it was so so sealed that you could and this is when Toronto's warm right in the summer and they, they were you could see like the condensation Ugh. on the, on the plastic thing and it, it's not their fault nobody had ever taken the time to explain to them why outdoors was safer and so as far as they knew they were doing their job yeah um and and I think we do you know we fail to do that a lot explaining why these things are happening uh why the new variant is worse, for example, uh, why six feet is not an impenetrable force field, as so many people have thought it is, why a, a one-layer fabric mask may not do much at all to reduce your or other people's risk of, of you know, contracting it. So I think science communication has not been great, um, but we, in some ways it's it's kind of treated people like idiots and not provided that information as to why we're asking you to do what we're going to do. And I think that's a shame and has definitely contributed. And just to say, I don't want to go on over too much, but, you know, obviously there's the anti-maskers and there's the anti-lockdown people and whatever. And I, I do, I do believe they're a minority. They're an annoying minority, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I, I do believe they're a minority. And of course what they do is like they scream really loudly and literally literally at some point so i was um outside a local uh, grocery shop the other day i'd gone to pick up my my shopping with my mask and stuff and there is this guy with a like hugs not lockdowns or hugs not masks like hoodie on standing like walking in the middle of the road very upset about something on his phone like literally screaming about whatever it was to somebody and i'm like so you know in, <laughs> really they do scream loud yes yeah you know, this guy was just walking around the middle of the road and i'm like okay <laughs> Sure, he's very upset with whatever he's upset with, but um, yeah, I do think they're a minority. Most people want to do well. Um, the messaging has been pretty bad. Do you expect, um, you know, the the vaccines are starting to roll out? I'm going to ask you a little bit about that in a minute, but mm-hmm. you know, we're approaching the point in a Canadian winter where it's going to start warming up again, um, and in theory, that will come in concert with more and more vaccines you know, hopefully as the spring and summer roll on, we're kind of pushing towards the end of this with everything though, that's been opened back up and the variants here, are you expecting another pretty bad spike first, or is that, you know, too soon to say, or too, you know, premature, however you'd want to phrase that? Uh, okay. <laughs> There's really no way to be positive about this. Um, for, me, for everything I've read, and again, I just want to state that I don't have any expertise in virology or public health or epidemiology, but sure. what I do is because I write a lot of, um, you know, health and, and science and stuff, I, I, I listen to experts and I yes. see what they're saying, and then I try and synthesize the information uh, for other people to understand. Uh, every credible expert I know thinks we're heading for a third lockdown, I'm afraid. Um, How quickly yeah, this, do you think? <laughs> Like the, supposedly these variants are much more easily transmitted. Yeah. So in theory, we could go from zero to 60 really fast here. You're quite right. Yeah. So again, we saw what happened in the UK mm-hmm. with what we now call the UK variant or the B117, B117. Anyway, um, the UK variant, we saw what happened to them and we appear to have reopened things pretending it doesn't exist. Right. Um, 
and uh, I, I, you know, there's there's no way I can see that we're just going to get away with it. Um, I, I, I don't think viruses really work like that. You know, this 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 new variant is is so much more transmissible than the, I guess, old variant as you would call it, which is still here. The OG. Yeah, yeah the OG variant. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we've seen what it does in the UK. We've seen what it does in multiple European countries, and we've kind of based our reopening plans on the fact that it doesn't exist and even if it didn't exist i still think we're reopening too quickly um i don't see a way that we're not going to be in another lockdown in a, a few weeks right. maybe a month and a bit would be my guess and then i reckon we're going to be under restrictions till um maybe early june wow uh yeah. Again, just just from what I've heard yeah. from people yeah. who do know what they're talking about, that would seem to be the impression, and that's what I'm kind of personally uh, preparing myself for. Um, with that in mind, in theory, we're going to be rolling out some of these vaccines, and and they are arriving, mm. and it is happening. Um, is there anything that you've read? Whether it be, and I think we just uh, was it AstraZeneca that we just approved this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we, I believe that's three now in Canada that we have approved. If someone phoned you tomorrow and said, it's your turn, is there anything that you've heard about any of those three that would make you second guess, question whether or not you should go and do it? Uh, no, <laughs> not in the slightest. Um, the mRNA vaccines are a phenomenal, I say, new technology. They're new insofar as they're being used in this this scale. So that's the uh, Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really remarkable. And I think uh, in, in a broader broader scale, it's going to be incredible to see what other diseases they can tackle in the next sort of 10 years or so now now they've been used for this. Um, the AstraZeneca is a more sort of old-style vaccine, um, kind of uh, produced in a, in a way that's already kind of been used a few times. Uh, they seem to have an exemplary safety profile. Um, I would have absolutely no hesitation in terms of safety of any of them. Uh, the only hesitation I would have is that if it was my turn tomorrow, I don't feel it should be. Sure. Um, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, but uh, no, I have no issue with any safety and I would, you know, have it in a heartbeat if someone called me up now and was like, get there here in half an hour, I would run to the streets of Toronto and I'll minus 20 wind chill uh, to get that vaccine. So no, I have have no concerns at all. Um, I believe, is the AstraZeneca just a one shot or is it two as well? No, it's two as well. Okay. So it's It's, just the Johnson and Johnson that's the one? Uh, yeah, Johnson Johnson definitely is. I don't know whether there are others that are one shot, okay. but it's the it's the one I know of. Is it? Um, are these two shots because one is sort of a a booster? Is you know one just doesn't quite get us as far along, or does the second one contain something different? Can you kind of explain why there would be uh, two shots for this one? It's certainly not unheard of we have lots of shots when we're younger that require a second or a a booster or whatever but uh, if you just kind of generally um why is this a two-shot deal yeah it it, so as far as i'm aware that there's no difference between the first and the second shot it's exactly the same thing um the way that your immune system works is you know the first time it sees a a pathogen of any sort it it, you know it it primes itself against it and it learns from it Mm -hmm. giving it that second shot a little while later whether that be a few weeks or even a few months i think they're discussing now and uh, in the uk they're doing a few months not just a few weeks um basically just gives it a reminder um, and kind of almost enables it to commit the response to more of a long-term memory. Okay. Uh, essentially, um, I mean, it's the, it, it really is similar to if you know if 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 I watched a Leafs game tonight and then I watched the same game in two months' time, I'm more likely to be able to tell you about it in a year's time sure. if I, than if I'd only watched it once. Um, so it, it's basically a sort of a first of first is a here this is, here, here is this pathogen. You should uh, go against it, and the second one is a kind of reminder to consolidate hey, the response this. and right. idea. Yeah. So, and then the second time around, it becomes stronger. And I think the idea is, is it also lasts for a longer time if you get a, a boost. But I'm not entirely. That's general vaccine sure. thoughts. I'm not entirely sure how it relates to these coronavirus vaccines, but I assume it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do you expect, as as we kind of talk about the vaccines, it this has become political very quickly and. Mm-hmm. You know, the provinces for a long time were blaming the government. Like, it seems to me, um, and, and maybe the best way to correct this is, or to go about this is for you to correct me if you think I'm wrong. <laughs> it seems to me that 
Canada had put in a certain number of orders and we were told by the end of the first quarter, you will have it. Um, and then things kind of got shut down as the whole world tried to get this thing. And so let's mm -hmm. just say for a nice round number, by the end of March, we promise you will have a hundred doses. And we kind of expected that would mean, you know, 30 in January, 30 in February, 40 in March or whatever. And mm -hmm. that didn't necessarily happen. Maybe we kind of got 10, 10, and then in March we're getting 80. Is mm -hmm. that sort of your understanding of, you know, obviously my numbers are not even close, but just in the sense that we're still getting them, but things had to be refitted and, you know, this, we're not really that much further behind as certain places would like you to believe. Uh, yeah, that's what I understand. And I just kind of like to put this out there. So uh, everybody seems to like either love or hate Justin Trudeau. Yes. Um, I'm completely nonchalant about him one way or the other. So somebody who cannot vote in Canada yet and will not be able to vote um, until I'm a citizen, I kind of have a sort of Eh. <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, yeah. I think he's fine, but could be better kind of thing. So yeah, I think, I think that kind of helps in the situation because I seem to have only met people who are like, yeah, he's great or he's terrible. So um, I think the federal response to COVID and, and with the vac vaccine procurement particularly has been pretty good. So I think we have to rem rem remember here that Canada does not pr produce its own vaccines right. currently. Right. So early on in the year, so January, February, a lot of people in Canada are looking at the United States and they're looking at the UK both of which are uh, biotech superpowers <laughs> and seeing all their, you know, family and friends, there getting vaccinated and going, well, why aren't we doing better? Right. And well, we, we don't produce our own vaccines in, uh, or if we do, it's definitely not in the scale that uh, the U S and the UK do. Um, and I, I, you know, it was reasonable. I'm, I'm, you know, sitting here in Canada in January being like, oh, I don't see when I'm going to get vaccinated. And right. my, my sister gets vaccinated. My elderly uh, or, or more elderly aunts and uncles are getting vaccinated. And I think it's natural to go, well, why aren't we doing that? Sure. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, if they promised um, a certain amount by the first quarter, at the end of the first quarter, and it's here, which it looks like it will be if it's not already, mm -hmm. uh, then really how can you fault it? I think uh, for a country that does not mass produce its own vaccines and has not designed any of the vaccine candidates, so the U.S. obviously has Pfizer and oh, hold on, is that Germany's? But anyway, the U.S. has Moderna and the U.K. has AstraZeneca and Pfizer and is a U.S.-German collaboration, I think. So they had their own. So I, I don't understand why we think we would be on a par with them time-wise in, in many ways. Yes. I know that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But, yeah, if they've, you know, if Trudeau, Trudeau definitely um, you know, bought well. Um, uh, I mean, if you speak about that from an interest of, uh, of somebody living here anyway, I mean, there's been criticism of, buying, you know, rich countries buying up the suppliers of world vaccines. And I think those criticisms are, are part justified. But, um in terms of being somebody here waiting for vaccination, then yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. Um, so if it all goes as planned and uh, every Canadian who wants one can have a vaccine by September, I do not think that's a bad result at all. So maybe last one on this, do you expect um, by the time things start to cool off again next fall, will we have schools fully back open? We'll have, we have 20,000 people at the Leafs game, um, do things happen that fast if come September we are vaccinated or will there still be a reason to be hesitant? Um, so I, I, I hope, I hope that's what's going to happen, um, especially for schools, because I, you know, I, I think as a society, if we don't prioritize our schools safely yes. reopening, which I'm not convinced we're necessarily doing at the moment, right. um, then I think there's something very wrong. Like schools should be the, absolute priority for places that are going to open and open safely um i'm hopeful of that uh i think canada um they've done some polls and things and it has shown that a large number of people if offered it will get the vaccine mm -hmm. um you know, vaccine hesitancy uh is a problem in 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 some places which is not the same as being an anti-vaxxer it's having sort of you know vaccine hesitancy can mean having reasonable concerns sure, about I'm the concerned vaccine about this new thing i'm not for sure with. yeah and then being an anti-vaxxer is essentially a cult yeah. um, well, you're gonna not, track the, me and <laughs> right there's there's not there's not a good they're not necessarily the same thing no. at all. um I hope so. The rise of variants is worrying. Um, what we know about the UK variant is that it seems to be more transmissible, but all of the vaccines that we currently have seem to be very good against it. Um, 
and you know hopefully the UK in the coming months who has who have at least partially vaccinated quite a large number of people will give us kind of more data on how good uh, their the vaccines both the Pfizer and AstraZeneca I think are are against that variant. Um, the only issue that I can see kind of coming up really are even new newer variants. Right. Um, that evolve to make the vaccines that we have uh, not as good. And that's sort or, of the race though, right? Like if we could get these vaccines and everybody quicker, we cut off the time that it has to mutate. Is that sort of the race we're running? Yeah. So mutation, uh, interestingly enough, is a thing that we do a lot in cancer, right? Like you yeah. hear people all the time who, um, you know, they have cancer therapy and it works for a while and then the cancer evolves to become resistant right. to that therapy. And so viral evolution is obviously a different thing, but the principles are kind of the same. Um, there, there is some concern about vaccinating large numbers of the population with um, infection levels still being so high, because then you have a lot of virus and a lot of people with the virus, and then you're giving people vaccines at the same time, and they don't work instantly. You know, they need time for your immune system to kind of win the race against yeah. the virus. And, and so there are, there are, you know, are some very credible experts who have kind of explained Express concern, particularly in the places like the UK, who started vaccinating three, three or so months ago, when their numbers were exceptionally high, that it's a gamble and it's kind of a roll of the dice, kind of tempting new variants to evolve and become vaccine resistant. And we know that um, the South African variant, for example, which is here in Ontario, albeit thankfully in very small numbers that we know of, um, has some resistance to some of our vaccines. Um, that doesn't mean they necessarily won't work. It means that they might not work as well. Okay. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I could definitely couldn't tell you how likely this is or isn't to happen, um, but it is a concern. Um, is it just yeah. when, you, when you talk about vaccinating people while there's still so much of it out there, can you elaborate a little bit? Is that because, you know, you've been vaccinated, but you're not fully you know, immune for lack of a better word yet. And, and it might be in you and then learning to evolve based off of the vaccine. Is that sort of what's happening? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I kind of, I almost want to direct you to a, to a, a <laughs> fantastic news article I read about this with some fantastic virologists who work, I think in, in New York. We'll send it along. Um, we'll put it in the show notes for people. Yeah, no, yeah. that, that would be great. Yeah. I, I don't want to talk too much about something I don't understand, but yes, I think the concern was about partial vaccination. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's people, uh, receiving their first dose and they're not receiving the second dose for a long time. Right. Cause, uh, a lot of the clinical trials, I think all of them in fact had, First dose on day naught, second dose um, three weeks or four weeks. Yeah, 28 days. Uh, and I saw it today. We're here in Ontario talking about possibly four months. For sure, yeah. <laughs> so that would be similar to what the UK is doing. Okay. Um, and has been doing for some months. So, but you've got to remember as well, the situation is very dynamic and changeable. So yep. they now know in the UK, there's new data out of Scotland and England uh, showing that the first dose has a sort of 80% protective effect. And so that's really good news. Yep. Um, that may mean that a first dose is, is in many cases, perfectly enough to stop you getting, it's definitely perfectly enough to stop you getting seriously sick with COVID-19 and, and being hospitalized or dying. Mm -hmm. um, but whether it might allow you to become sort of partially infected with uh, this, the virus, mm, we, we don't know yet. There's not enough information. Right. Um, just to kind of elaborate on this, I suppose one thing that is useful to know is that they think that the UK variant, the one that is currently causing a lot of problems in Ontario, mm -hmm. came from a patient who was chronically ill with COVID-19. So was sick and in hospital, I think, for several months. And his, his or her immune system was fighting against the virus. The virus, I think, ultimately won. I think the patient died of COVID-19. But they think that in that person's body, you know, this kind of cat and cat and mouse kind of thing went on and the virus out managed to out evolve the immune system in this one patient and we ended up with a new variant. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm not an expert on, on exactly how this could happen in, in in the general population or whether it might happen in more than one way. But sure. I think that that that, that I could, I'll definitely send you that link to, to put on your uh yeah put on your uh, your website. Um but it, it's a concern but I mean we, we've got to try and the very the, the vaccines that we have are, are all pretty good against um 
you know, the, the main variant, the UK variant, and at least I think they all have some activity, some decent activity against the South African. We just don't want some super new variant coming along that's oh. resistant to all of them. Um, but I have to say, scientists are actually already working on vaccines to go against the new variants as well. So right. we are really in a race and, you know, the world's got its best people working on this. So it is incredible how fast we've gotten even this far. Um, truly mind blowing. Yeah. Truly mind blowing. I don't you know. Yeah. People are like, it's such a long time, but it's, it's really it's not, not to do human yeah. clinical trials and things. My God, no, it's incredible. Uh, I don't want to end this on a downer. We've talked about variants. We've talked about vaccine hesitancy, things like that. Are you, and we've talked about the fact that we probably have another spike in a lockdown coming in a general <laughs> sense with where we are with the vaccines, with summer coming and these sorts of things in a, you know, overarching sense, are you optimistic that we are, if not on our way out of this, we have found the path to our way out of this? Yeah, I hope so. As I said, if, if, if there's no new, scary, horrible vaccine resistant variants, then yes, I absolutely think we are. Um, I, you know, you were saying about like Leafs games in, I guess it'll be like October-ish. Um, back to, kids back to school with very little fear of having to self-isolate for 14 days, et cetera, et cetera. I do hope that, that we are going towards that. And I, I I'm going to say, I think it's more likely than not, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I personally, during my pandemic brain can like think about three days ahead. Okay. <laughs> I used to like look forward to something happening in several months down the line. And now I'm like, Oh, what day is it? Okay. Getting well, takeout on Wednesday is going to be awesome. Yeah. No, as far honestly, as I can go. <laughs> my highlight of the week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would hope you, I would hope you're right with that, with that thing. But uh, the, the problem is anybody making promises and definitive timelines yeah, no. at this time and not kind of, um, you know, try and communicate with things with nuances often not, a good person to listen to, right? Like you'll never get scientists saying we're, we live, we're a society who likes black and white. (laughs) You'll never get a scientist saying we're going to reopen on this date and time because it it doesn't work like that. Um, Yeah. And I know that's very irritating for some people because people (laughs) want to know and you know, people's lives and livelihoods are on the line um, with regards to these lockdowns. And I completely understand it, but unfortunately this is a ridiculously complex situation of which I only understand the surface stuff. Right. Um, and there's so many moving parts that anybody who tries to tell you things definitively probably isn't, you know, yeah. on the truth. Well, uh, I've been advertising this or teasing this on the last couple episodes as, um, a doctor answers my idiot COVID questions. So as you've stated, <laughs> they were smart questions. Ridiculously complex is why you're here. I am not fit to handle <laughs> ridiculously complex. So, um, this has been, Really cool. Um, I, I really appreciate you making some time and, and hopefully when I, and this will happen, when my brain fills with more <laughs> idiot questions, you'll come back oh, we'll and, do it again. and untangle fun. them for me. Of course. And we've got a, we've got a Leafs game to watch in just over an hour, I think. That's so right. Great. Let's hope it's a good way to end the, end the Yeah, night. no, exactly. Something worth staying up for. Um, really appreciate you, uh, you doing this. Uh, is there anything you want to promote where people can find your work? Anything like that? Uh, not really. I'm no. kind of boring, really. I'm on Twitter and um, I occasionally write some, some news articles and stuff. And it's always nice when people read those and, and give me feedback. And uh, so, yeah, if anyone would like to read anything I write uh, or, you know, yeah, no, or <laughs> they respond to my dear tweets or my least tweets, then <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to chat to anyone about any of those topics. So. Well, I've noticed already a couple of our listeners follow, finding their way over to your uh, Twitter account as I've been promoting this. So that's kind of cool. And, oh, uh, it's a... It's a real mixed bag, so they're yeah. in for a treat. <laughs> yeah, no, there's always a little something, so it, it keeps it interesting, though. Um, this Great. has been uh, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you making some time, and and we will share the uh, your social media links as uh, in the show notes as well for people who want to find you on Twitter. Um, thank you very much for doing this. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. Make sure you have hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. And don't forget, later this week, Graham Creech and Steve Bunda from TSN 1200 will be here to discuss UFC 259. Look for that one. Probably on Thursday afternoon, we'll drop that for you. We're a little off kilter right now with our schedule, but it, that's when it'll be. I'm just going to throw it down. Thursday afternoon, you'll get it. Um, for Dr. Vicki Forster, nailed it this time. Uh, not Victoria (laughs) Foster. Uh, My name is Matt Robinson, and we will see you on the next episode of Talking It is over! Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. 
You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCan Audio on your favorite podcast app.